Mouse Network. First you defy me, then you mop my hair? You're dead! <laughs> Episode 2 of Behind the Mask, uh, Ty West, Director of the Month. I'm Riverman. I'm Lush. Hello, freaks. do just want to say at the top of the show here, uh, thank you to everybody who, you know, who listened to the first show, uh, who's supporting us, and uh, everybody that gave us uh, feedback, too. Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, keep listening, because we're going to keep cranking them out as much as we can, so... Thank you to you people, and another uh, one thing we didn't mention on the first show either was uh, we wanted to give a special thanks to uh, Red Rocket and uh, a fellow by the name of Zechariah Hazard for uh, providing some of the original music that we use on the show as well. They both do a great job, so we appreciate both of them letting us use their stuff as well. I don't know if you wanted to go into any news or... Yeah, um, I mean... Like I said on the, you know, like we talked about on the first show, you know, I don't think we're really going to have a set in stone format at all, really, you know. I'd like to keep changing it up every week, you know, uh, just so we're not boring people. Um, But yeah, I mean, we'll we'll start it out like we did the first, you know. We'll uh, give you a little news, upcoming DVDs, shit like that. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about, you know, some stuff that we've watched recently. Um, and then we'll, you know, we got a couple things that we want to talk about that we're kind of getting excited about. And, um, also on this show, we're going to do, uh, a few words on a Serbian film, um, which should be interesting. We're not going to do an in-depth review on it. We're just going to talk a little bit about the film and some of the, some of the controversy that it's stirring up. It's just now beginning to get a, uh, you know, uh, official release in the U S. So we're going to talk a little bit about that because it's relevant course we'll have red rock as music segment and uh we are as uh riverman said uh, we're gonna do a kind of a spotlight double feature review ty west we got uh, house of the devil and what's the other one the roost the roost you remember that from last show that was I, I vaguely remember that yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh we also we have our uh, six questions with segment um, we got somebody that was kind enough to, uh, send us back the answers to our questions. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that six question segment. That should be great. Yeah, yeah, very cool guy. I know that, you know, a lot of the people that listen to the show are, you know, fans of this, this person and what he does. So it'll be very cool for everybody to check that out. He gave us some, some great answers, actually put some thought into them. So that was cool. And then, uh, based on that person... Uh, we're going to throw in our uh, Movies to Clear a Room segment um, with uh, some of uh, this person's movies. Um, oh, and he has uh, most of his movies clear a room, let's just say that. Yeah, so. yeah, they do, they do. He, he's he's good at that. So I think that's pretty much going to be this show. Mm-hmm. So from there, I mean, we can roll into a little news if you'd like there, River. All right. 
Well, uh, this week I've been looking around on the internet and uh, I came across this thing I saw on uh, horrormovies.ca. Um, they actually talked about like the Walking Dead uh, franchise is going through budget cuts. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think D Darabont's not too happy with it. And um, he's basically, I hope they don't end up scratching the show completely. I know a, a couple of our, or actually a, a few, quite a few of our listeners, I don't think will really care much about that. I know they're oh, really? way into the comic book, oh, um, yeah. and they say it's much, much better than the show. It's something I need to check out still. Um, oh, the show or the comic book? The comic book. Oh, okay. They say it's, I've seen the show, and I like the show, Yeah. Um, but they said that the comic is, is just blows the show out of the water. Really? So that's something we need to we need to look at, so... I, I know there will be a few people that won't be too disheartened by that, but <laughs> well, you know who you are. I mean, I love the show. I mean, uh, there wasn't a bad episode in it. The characters were great and everything. The zombies looked phenomenal, I thought. for. Oh, yeah. I mean, for a, ca a cable show, I mean, the gore right. was there, too. I mean, yeah. uh, everything about it. So, yeah, I'll be, I'll be really sad if that ends up going under. Um, I know probably it didn't help out the fact that, you know... What it came out last year, and it's going to take a whole year to you know turn around for a second season. Right. But weren't uh, they doing like double the episodes too? Yeah, I think they're doing double the episodes. I don't know if they're going to have certain people write, like different people. Like, um, I'd like to see you know Romero in there too if he could. You oh know, yeah, that'd maybe, be cool. Maybe have an episode or something like that. But uh, yeah, I have to look. I have to look more into that, and we'll let you know uh, a little bit more about the walking. Dead, if you're into that or not, I'm a huge fan. I can't get enough of that show, so I'll keep keep you up to date on that. Um, you got anything? Um, yeah, one uh, kind of a little update on one thing I had mentioned on the last show. Some more uh, June release dates for uh, the movie Super, the James Gunn film starring uh, Rain Wilson, Ellen Page, Kevin Bacon. They got a few more here. There was... Uh, June 17th in Harrisonburg, Virginia at the Court Square Theater. Uh, June 24th in Newburyport, Mass, for all you mass holes, at the uh, Screening Room. Uh, and June 30th in Anchorage, Alaska at the Beartooth. And uh, if, if this movie, I mean, if you can't find it playing in your city, um, you are able to get it on cable on demand through uh, Comcast, Cox, Cablevision, Time Warner, and Bright Cove. And if you happen to have DirecTV, I believe you can find that on channel 125. So, however you see it, see the movie, because it's great. So, I just wanted to make, you know, one more mention of that, give you guys a little update on that. So, check it out. Yeah, another thing that I, uh, I looked around some more. I found this trailer, uh, I think I saw it on, like, whoredvds.com or something. Somebody put a blog spot up about it. It's called, uh, Dear, Dear God No... A.K.A. the Bigfoot Massacre. Um, it's a <laughs> James Bickert is the director. Um, it. I mean, this thing looks fucking crazy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You guys need to go out and check out the trailer. I think one of the scenes. I think two girls had like Richard Nixon masks on. They were naked and they're shooting like AKs or something. <laughs> yeah. And basically, it's like a retro biker versus Bigfoot movie ex exploitation movie. And, um, looks extremely sleazy. Yeah, it looks extremely sleazy. It looks, yeah, it's everything that I want to see in a movie, pretty much, just, you know, thrown in. Yeah, there was some, what, 
rape of a pregnant woman in there. Yeah, there's a bunch of <laughs> bunch of weird shit in there. All kinds of shit. So uh, yeah, go go to their Facebook page and check it out or something. And uh, yeah, it said the release date was summer. You know, whenever this summer, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. So yeah, that was dear God no. Dear God uh, no. Big World Pictures, right? Big World Pictures. That's, that's correct. Put that out? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, there's another tra- trailer we were looking at too, uh, a trauma flick. Uh, kind of want to talk about that, or? Oh yeah, yeah. Father's Day. Um, I honestly I don't know much about the movie. I mean, all I really know about it is I've seen the trailer. Yeah. And the trailer looks fucking great. Again, you know, another like epically fucking sleazy movie. Um, and of course it's uh, or that's their you know tagline oh, yeah. from trauma. Of course, you know exactly. Um, if it's anything like Mother's Day, you know it's going to be a great fucking <laughs> yeah. movie because I love Trauma's Mother's Day. That was great. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, check out the trailer for that one, too. Uh, let us know what you think. I mean, it, it's both of those movies look really cool. And, yeah, we're both really excited about seeing those. So definitely look into those. And, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll try to keep you up to date as far as, you know, when they're coming out. And uh, as soon as we find things out, we'll let you know. So. Yeah, and if you guys see any, like, cool trailers or anything or any upcoming movies that you don't think we have uh, seen seen yet or see, know about, just throw something on our Facebook page so we can check them out because I'm, really, I'm always down to check out trailers and shit and whatever you guys have. So Yeah, we try to keep up, but it's, it's hard sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, I got one last thing, uh, something I heard about uh, John Carpenter's uh, next project. It's... Uh, Something called L.A. Gothic, and uh, sounds pretty cool. I, I heard that they had already started casting for it. I, I don't know. I just heard a couple rumors about it, um, but apparently it's going to be about like a uh, a pissed off ex priest and uh, his teenage daughter. There's going to be like all kinds of creatures in the flick, like vampires, zombies, a possessed rock star, <laughs> um, all kinds of shit. And it's basically about this like jaded ex priest that's like trying to protect his daughter from the dark side of L.A. or something like that. Yeah. Um, so maybe I'm thinking there's some some symbolism there, possibly. Um, but it's, it's from the sounds of it, it's supposed to have, you know, just lots of action, lots of gore. Um, and it sounds like it'll be a, a great time. So that's one thing to kind of keep, uh, keep a watch on, too, if you hear anything about that. I'm looking forward to that. Sounds That'll be great. cool. Yeah, it's been some time since Carpenter did... Yeah. You know, a feature-length movie. He mm-hmm. did a couple uh, Masters of Horror, but I want to say I've I seen somewhere where it's been like seven years mm-hmm. since he's done a feature. So, Well, uh, what about the Thing prequel? Is, uh, I See, I haven't heard anything about that. Because um, I know they're, I think that's, they're almost done with that. I'm, really? I'm guessing he had something to do with it. I'll have to look more into it, because I mean, I love the Thing, of course. Oh, but, yeah, that's uh, great. Great movie. Um, but with that... Uh, Let's get into some DVD releases for, uh, I mean, I'm kind of not just doing the first week in June because there's like pretty much no DVD releases the first week, just the first week. So I'm going to go maybe the first couple weeks. Sure. Um, and the, the first one I found was uh, the movie Rubber. Yeah. Which is going to be released uh, June, well, one website said June 7th and the other one said the 14th. So it's a magnet film. Um, it's Quentin Dupont. Dupree? Depew, maybe? Quentin Depew. We'll go with that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's what it looks like to me, but who knows. (laughs) Basically, you know, it's a... I think it's a a killer tire. Yeah. (laughs) He's he's, um, 
I don't know. It's got a mind of its own. Mind of its own. It's like a small Texas town or something that he comes into. And I think he has like an infatuation with a girl. Mm -hmm. And he ends up killing killing all these people. Well, yeah, he like makes he like makes people's heads explode, I think. Yeah, exactly. The t it's, it's hilarious. I mean, if you've seen the trailer or if you've seen the movie, you know better than we do because we haven't seen it yet. They just uh, showed it here where we're at um, as a midnight movie, but neither one of us were able to make it to that, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, I mean, in the trailer, you know, the tire <laughs> rolls up on that cop car and, yeah. you know, on a desolate highway somewhere and the tire just, like, starts shaking and then, boom, all of a sudden, one of the cops' heads explodes. It's fucking hilarious. So. <laughs> uh, another one I have is uh, a Roger Corman cult classic. Uh, it's a Shout Factory film. Triple feature. It's uh, The movies are, wim are Women in Cages collection. Uh, the Big Bird mm. Cage, The Big Doll House, and Women in Cages. So all of you that are into, you know, women in prison films... <laughs> um, let us know, because, I mean, I've, I haven't really dipped my uh, nuts into... Uh, <laughs> into Corman's mouth. Well, in, yeah, I mean, <laughs> into the women in cages, you know, type of movies. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, let us know. I mean, I'd like to know which one to check out. If any of those are good ones, let us know, too, because um, it's a Corman, you know, yeah. presents. So good old sure Roger Corman. Good. Another one we had was uh, The Nesting. Which is a blue underground title that I've been uh, I've been actually looking at this movie for the past like six months. It looks pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, it's gonna be released in late June, and uh, I think it's kind of like like a kind of a paranormal type of movie. It was made uh, back in the late seventies, I want to say, and um, yeah, I think first time it's gonna be released on DVD and Blu-ray. So I'm just gonna do a blind buy with that, I think, because I've been anticipating it and. Uh, See how that is. And usually, I mean, I think we've both had pretty good luck with Blue Underground stuff. Oh, I mean, yeah, I love all Blue I've been Blue pretty impressed with them. They've been putting out some good stuff, so... Usually, I mean, you can't go wrong, really, in my opinion. And there's been a lot of times where, you know, I I buy a movie based off of, you know, Blue Underground or who, who ends up putting it out, because, I mean, of oh, course, yeah. back in the day when Anchor Bay was king, I always uh, picked up the latest Anchor Bay movies and... You know, I mean, I was disappointed every once in a while, but majority of the time they were actually really good movies. So. Yeah. But uh, those are all the DVD releases that I have for this week. Um, Very cool. This part, this part of the show, we want to. I think we have a. Do we have a fan question at all? Or we do have a fan question actually. Um, pretty much the question. I don't have it. Uh, the full question right here in front of me, but. Um, Basically, the question was, what are your top five chicks from horror films or exploitation films that you would want to fuck? And so we, we did a little thinking on it. I mean, there's obviously tons of them. I mean... Who, uh, who sent this question That was in? D. West. Oh, D yeah, West. good buddy D. West. Yeah, he is actually associated with uh, the guys from Exploited. So. Yeah. Um, cool dude. All of those guys are great. Um, and we, yeah, thanks again, D, for the question. So, yeah, the the first five that just kind of rolled off the top of our heads, uh, one was uh, Christina Lindbergh from uh, Thriller, A Cruel Picture, or they call her One Eye, whatever you want to say. I don't know what, I don't know if it was the eye patch or what, <laughs> I don't know what it was, or the uh, the penetration scenes, which <laughs> apparently wasn't really her, but, yeah. Um, man, yeah, I just, uh, after seeing that movie, I, I kind of had a little crush on her. 
Danielle Harris was another one, and if you don't know who Danielle Harris is, come the fuck on. I really. know. Where have you been, man? Uh, yeah. <laughs> which she's, yeah, totally been making, like, a resurgence, you know, lately, which is nice, because I enjoy looking at her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sherry Moon Zombie. Oh, yeah. Uh, of course. She just, yeah, she's fantastic, and I love her. Her those ripped up jeans. Oh, I know. I love how her husband just loves to show her ass off in every movie that she's in. (laughs) Another one going back a little ways, uh, PJ Souls. Big, big in the 70s, man, and she was was hot, and she's still an attractive lady, I think. You know, time has passed, but, you know, (laughs) but uh, she was great, yeah. The older the berry, the sweeter the juice. Exactly. Drink it up. (laughs) Uh, and then the last one that we had written down was, uh, Jordan Ladd, um, who was in cabin fever. Um, I think the last one I saw her in was grace, um, which she was fucking phenomenal and very, very creepy movie. Grace. She's in death proof too. I think, uh, yeah. Was she in Death Proof? Yeah, because she uh, she was in the beginning. She was one of the annoying, you know, yeah. One of the three annoying. Yeah. 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 God, it's been so long since I've seen death proof. But yeah, those are, uh, you know, five that just kind of came off the top of our heads. So there you go. Like I said, there's tons more, but those were just the first five that we thought of. So Yeah, this is our actually uh, Lush's list, uh, wink, wink, because, <laughs> uh, yeah, Riverman doesn't want to get castrated from his girlfriend. So, uh, yeah, we did we did our best there for you, uh, D. So, uh, yeah, keep the questions coming, man. Well, hey, the Lush has, a, has an old lady, too, but I just, you know... It's okay. I can have my crushes. She's used to it. She, yeah, she can. She can just stay out of it. She, she likes George Clooney. She can have George Clooney, and I can have these five chicks. <laughs> God damn it! I'd like to have George Clooney too. Though, so. He is a handsome man. Or maybe Brad Pitt in Legends of the Fall. <laughs> the long, the long blonde, the locks. long blonde hair. <laughs> oh, you fruity bastard! <laughs> All right, and that uh. I think we're going to take a little break, so, um, you're listening with Take a little Riverman. break, take a little break while Riverman goes to straight camp. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, there's nothing wrong with that. Need to, yeah, I need to jump back out of the closet here for a few minutes. <laughs> Alright, yeah, yeah, let's take whatever. a break. Yeah, we'll take a little break, we'll, we'll be back here pretty soon. To see this world without you A lonely place without segment we're going to be talking about movies that we watched recently in the past week or so yes sir you got a list I, I do have a little list that i that i made here um got a, a few actually um first one on the on the list was uh red velvet 
um, which I got from uh, from some friends, and uh, I really enjoyed it, man. It was it was a great great movie. It's got uh, Henry Thomas uh, in it, of course. From you know he was Elliot from ET, um, but he's been in like you know Suicide Kings. And- Elliot, Elliot, <laughs> Elliot. Um, but yeah, he's been in, you know, like Suicide Kings, I think he was in Gangs of New York, you know, he's just, he's been in a bunch of stuff, um, recently, and he was fucking fantastic in Red Velvet, I really enjoyed his performance in that. Um, it's just a, it's a cool, um, slasher flick, I don't, I mean, I want to take up a bunch of time, because I got a few more, but, um, but yeah, check this movie out, find it, um, and watch it, because it's great, it had some, some good gore in it, some great death scenes, um, the performances, like I said, were good. The camera work, a, a lot of that was fucking awesome. There's one shot in particular where, uh, Henry Thomas and, uh, the female lead character, I don't remember her name now, um, Kelly Garner, maybe? Um, oh, there goes, there goes the luscious phone. Little black label society for you. Anybody? Oh, just let it play. Just let it play. They can enjoy a little parade of the dead. Um, let's see here. Okay, we'll quiet that one down. Um, so, yeah, there's one shot in particular where the, t- the two leads are uh, <laughs> they're uh, walking back into their apartment building. And it's this whole tracking shot. And the, the building itself was really cool. And the way that they shot the scene was fucking awesome. And it just it looked amazing. Like, uh, everything about the movie was really, really cool and really different and really well done, I thought. So, at, with that, I'll, I'll leave it at that for that one. What, uh, you got one? Yeah, I checked out, um, actually for the second time, I ended up watching it on one of these, uh, movie channels, The Expendables, which yep. is one of my personal favorites. I, I went in the theaters and checked it out, and I really enjoyed it. It's one of, uh, myself and, uh, Red Rockets, uh, you know, one of our newer action flicks that we really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Stallone's in it, and Statham, and the whole gang. You know, Terry Crews. Uh, and I mean, it's it's a great it's a great movie. It's you know poorly written, of course. Uh, has good one liners. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and uh, there, I mean, there's some cool there's some cool uh, kill scenes in it, and um, there's also scenes that could obviously have been cut out in it. But, like, the whole Jason Statham scene with him and his girlfriend and all that, they, like, dipped a little bit into that, but there was no point in that scene even being in the movie. Um, they just wanted to show Jason Statham kicking, like, five guys' ass because <laughs> some guy beat up his, you know, girlfriend or former girlfriend. So, um, but, yeah, I, I love that movie. Um, you know, Jet Li's in it, too, and Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren is probably the highlight of the movie because he has probably the best one-liners in him. Um, uh, he's like, "Oh, I love to hang pirates," or some stupid, like, <laughs> cheesy one-liners that you can obviously tell Stallone wrote this movie. But I yeah. love I. I mean, his writing's so bad that I just love it. And yeah, and he. I mean, he, he can put together a good action flick, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not so much you know, like you said about the writing, as it's just you know. Just a good kick-ass action movie, which I haven't. I still haven't seen the Expendables yet. I'm slacking. I need to check it out. But and they're act- they're obviously or they're actually coming out with the Expendables too. And I heard that uh, Jean Claude Van Damme is supposed to be one of the villains in it. So I'm I'm getting really pumped for that. Hopefully, oh, yeah. hopefully I'll be out here in the next year. Or so Mr. Black Silk Underwear. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you've seen Double Impact. <laughs> um, next movie I checked out was uh, Kick-Ass. Oh yeah, and uh, 
Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I was I was surprised going in. I thought it was going to be kind of like you know a kitty superhero movie. I watched watched it streaming on Netflix, and uh, yeah, the one actor that really uh, I really got a kick out of was Nicolas Cage in it. <laughs> yeah, he was. he was. I mean, he was just fucking hilarious. He was funny. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there's some good you know action sequences in it, and uh, it ended it was, up it was being pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah it was uh, kind of tough. Yeah. There was a lot of, you know, cussing in it and stuff. And, it, uh, it ended up being, like, a lot more, like, hardcore and, like, darker than I thought it was going to be. You know, like you said, I thought it was going to be kind of a, you know, more of a kid movie going in. But yeah. then, you know, people start fucking getting shot. And, yeah. you know, there's... I mean, you got that little girl calling people a cocksucker, yeah. and, you know, and motherfucker and all this shit. And I was like, whoa, okay, this this is a little more up my alley than I thought it would be. Yeah, and I think you re- recommended this one to me. And Yeah, yeah. I'm um, really glad you did because yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a fun movie. Uh, what other one do you have? Uh, let's see, I got a couple more. I checked out. Uh, finally watched Class of 1984. Oh um, yeah, which I absolutely loved. It's my new favorite like teachers versus students type of movie. You know, I always liked like uh, like the principal with uh, what was it? Uh, Jim Belushi. Okay. From like the 80s, him and Lewis Lewis Gossett Jr. Um, I always, I always enjoyed that one. I watched that when I was younger, you know, and I always loved that. But this one, I mean, there's no others around it as far as I'm concerned. It was just great. Um, had a young, uh, young Mikey J. Fox in oh, it. Oh God, he looked, was his baby fat Yeah, he still had face. the baby fat on him for God's sakes. Yeah, he was, he was pretty fresh there. I mean, yeah, I think, wasn't he like a violin player? Yeah, he yeah, he was in the band. Trumpet or trombone? Something, know, something yeah. yeah. He was in the band, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great movie. Highly recommended. Check that one out. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I, I also get a kick out of those you know teacher student movies. Um, I'm a big Stand and Deliver fan. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I reach these kids? How do I reach these kids? Especially uh, when they're making fun of it on South Park. Yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, that Cartman was, had the coal motor. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's another really good one uh, of those that I also enjoy. It's of course not an exploitation flick, but it's right. Definitely a good, you know, teacher-student type of movie. Sure. Um, another one I, you know, I've been just fucking around on Netflix watching random shit. And, uh, watched, I've been watching Mr. Bean, the, you know, the television series. <laughs> and, uh, you know, really getting a kick out of that again. I'm, I used to have it on DVD. I don't know, I don't know what hap- happened to the DVDs, but, uh. Yeah, I'm glad it's streaming now because I remember are... really enjoying the series. Yeah, no, Did... it was a series. Yeah. yeah, didn't the movie like kind of suck ass though? Yeah, like... the movies kind of sucked, and yeah, I didn't really like the movies. Yeah, I remember really enjoying the series like back in the day, but oh yeah, the series was, was fucking. Great. Oh yeah, yeah, he was funny. Yeah, the episode I watched, he was like, uh, I don't know, he went to like a barber shop or something, and. Um... Like, uh, while the barber was, like, answering the phone, like, other customers came into the store. He started cut, cutting, like, random people's hair and shit. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. By the end, he ended up getting out of there scot-free, and everybody's all pissed off the barber. Because <laughs> they thought he actually cut their hair. So, uh, um, yeah, that was good. So, yeah, if you're Mr. Bean uh, Nut like I am, uh, t- give those a watch. Uh, you have any more? Yeah, uh... Couple more, I'll just make mention of real quick. In the in the interest of full disclosure, I have to uh, have to say that I watched uh, the Ghost and Mister Chicken uh, about probably five times in a row uh, recently. Um, <laughs> my son, who's five, just kind of discovered it via uh, his great grandparents, and uh, the movie's from like 1966, mm-hmm. and 
it's kind of, you know, older, kind of, I mean, in that, uh, in that era, you know, that would be their, like, horror comedy, you know, like, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, obviously not hardcore by any means, it's, it's more of a comedy, it's pretty lighthearted, um, but, uh, yeah, we, we watched, we watched that quite a bit, and, uh, it's funny, I mean, Don Knotts is pretty funny. Oh, yeah, you know? he's great. Do murder and calm go together? <laughs> calm and murder? That was Good old Knotts. <laughs> yeah. Andy? Um... So yeah, I watched that, uh, and then a couple um, Spanish language ones that I've watched uh, recently. One of them was uh, this cannibal flick. I think these are both actually in like theaters right now because um, I watched them on demand through IFC in theaters. And they were both put out by uh, IFC Midnight, um, which they've been putting out a lot of good stuff. Oh yeah, uh, lately. Um, but the first one was uh, "We Are What We Are." It's a uh, like a cannibal flick, and uh, it's really really well done. I mean, pr- kind of low key. Um, I saw one reviewer said it'll do for cannibals what uh, Let the Right One In did for vampires. It's, you know, kind of a little more low-key, a little more, I mean, it's probably, like, the most, like, realistic. I mean, it's, it's just about this poor family uh, living, you know, I think in Mexico or something, and um, their father, um, the head of the family, dies, so the two sons have to kind of take control, and they're trying to find somebody to eat. I mean, they, they keep talking about, we have to do the ritual. We have to do the ritual. And, uh, so the two sons have to try to step up and it just kind of goes from there. And it was, I was really impressed with it. It was really, really good. Um, so yeah, I haven't seen those yet, but yeah, I'll have to take a look at those and uh, check that out. Yeah. The other, the other one was uh, called the silent house. Um, which that was another one. I was really impressed with it. Uh, uh, again, Spanish language. Um, but apparently this movie was shot in one, you know, it was all filmed in one continuous shot. That sounds like awesome. Like, they never cut, um, which, I mean, I was kind of sitting there as I was watching it, trying to find, you know, a spot where they might have cut. And, I mean, there was a couple times where, like, everything goes dark, and you're like, oh, they could have cut there. But, you, I mean, that's what they're claiming. So, I mean, and if that's the case, that's very impressive. Um, and it was good. It was pretty, pretty solid, creepy movie, man. Um, not a ton of gore or anything like that, but there was some... You know, they just rely on, you know, atmosphere and, uh, you know, performances by the actors and, and they did a great job. It built a lot of tension and it was, uh, it was a good flick. So check those out. All right. So I think that'll, uh, that'll wrap up our, what we watched recently and, uh, we'll get into a little break now. Um, you're, you're listening to Behind the Mask. Saved all my allowance from mommy to go buy a laser so I could shine it at Dave. 
I bet you're probably still a virgin, aren't you, Pecoroid? Well, how about you be cool so the people around you don't beat your fucking brains in and let me play guitar, okay? Thank you. See, when I'm up here and I got the fucking microphone, I can say whatever I want to. What's up, guys and ghouls? This is the Red Rocket with the second edition of Behind the Masks Metal segment. Um, I wanted to start the show off on a good note. I played a clip from uh, something that really rings back from Riverman and my um, growing up. Dave Mustaine has provided just constant entertainment and inside jokes for us over the past 10, 11 years. So, you know, wanted to laugh a little bit and get a smile on my face before we got this kicked off. And before we got into the news, I wanted to answer a question that we had posted last week on the Facebook page by Chris Blackshear from HorrorHappyHour.com. In reference to last week, we talked about the Big Four and bands that I thought, you know, should have been in there as well. And Testament came up. I'm a huge Testament fan. Chris wrote in, he asking, never being a listener of the band, what would be a perfect album for him to start on to possibly get into them? And Testament's not one of those bands where I could just quickly shout out, you know, Rain and Blood. You know, they had such an evolution and a progression. Every album stands on its own two legs and differs from the one that came before, which is amazing. Um, there's a clear difference between, for example, 80s Testament and 90s Testament. I, I came to the conclusion that, you know, if you're into that classic thrash sound, you know, uh, Among the Living your P-Cells, who's buying, stuff like that, you know, then you're going to love 80s Testament, and I would say go with Practice What You Preach. It's the first one I ever got. It's it's very classical-influenced, some of the solos, the arrangements, um, and it all comes together packed with just totally awesome artwork that you can only expect from a metal album in the 80s. I mean, that was the reason alone that I bought the record. Remember back then when we'd buy them based on how they looked? But, if you're looking for a more modern thrash album, I recommended 1999's The Gathering. See, in the 90s, they experimented. They had, in 1991, they had their, they had their black album attempt, you know, mid-tempoed, a um, couple songs maybe fit for radio. They had their groove metal album, in my opinion, with Low. And, you know, with uh, 1996's Demonic album, Chuck Billy exclusively, exclusively used death metal vocals, you know, so they really, really, there's a taste there for everybody, but I'd say The Gathering is a perfect blend of everything you'd want out of them, and if you don't believe me, as I requested to him, their track DNR, and I guarantee you it's going to have you thrashing around your room like a monkey in heat. Behind the Masks, very own Riverman actually submitted a question to me. Um, He wanted to know what my favorite Pantera album and Pantera song was and who I thought was the new Pantera of the 21st century, so to speak. Um, You know, me and him have known each other a long time, and Pantera's pretty much been in our friendship from day one. Um, You know, it's, it's so easy for someone to say vulgar display of power, but, you know, I'd say overall my favorite is Far Beyond Driven. As a whole, there's the production of that album just punches you in the face. It's so heavy, it's so chunky. And Dimebag Daryl's trick of the trade back then, his his secret was he would double all his rhythm tracks, you know. And it just it just 
sledgehammer to the face. I can't explain it out of the way. And Vulgar Display of Power, not dissing that at all. I love that album. They don't have a bad album. Um, doesn't hit me the same way. I can't explain it. Now, my favorite song... You know, that's not an easy question either. I know he probably wants me to give you a straight-up answer, but I could... Uh, different, different scenarios. You know, part of me would love to say 25 years because it came from Far Beyond Driven and just a lot of emotional um, attachment to that song. But I'm probably going to say Floods off of the Great Southern Trend Kill. You know, the Great Southern Trend Kill, I could easily say, is their heaviest album, but at the same time, it's got so many mellow breaks with songs like Tens, uh, Suicide Note Part 1, and Floods. But they're all equally dark. It's a consistently dark and heavy and lyrically heavy album to where uh, it just gets that top notch for me. So Floods, it's got the greatest Dimebag Daryl guitar solo, in my opinion, and it's just an awesome song, so check that one out. You know, we also got into a little bit of a rant um, about our least favorite Pantera records, and I think he told me he didn't like re oh, Reinventing the Steel was probably in the bottom for him, where, you know, I don't think there is a bad Pantera record, you know, and he didn't necessarily say that either. Cowboys from Hell is probably the one I listened to the least. Not no disrespect. I think they all are sonically amazing. They're all produced well. They're all heavy records. But you know, they didn't really start coming into their sound until Vulgar Display of Power. And to me, they didn't really refine that sound until Far Beyond. Um, I can't honestly tell you that I listen to songs like Medicine Man or Message in Blood every day. Riverman said reinventing the steel. You know, I, I think it is sort of a lost dog. A lot of people sweep it aside, or it's 50-50 as far as reviews goes. But you know what? I think it's a stellar album, you know, it's just, unlike Great Southern Trend Kill, where it had so many peaks and valleys as far as emotion and, and mellow and the heavy and just the contrast between that, this was a very, very consistent album where it was 10 tracks that just slammed your nuts against the wall, just bam, 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 and it didn't let up, you know, you know, a la Rain and Blood or something like that, so, it just in that respect, so it's, it's very, very in the same vein, in one vein of each other. So, you know, there's beauty in that. There's awesome. And whenever I listen to that album, I generally let the whole thing run. I don't really skip tracks. So I think it's awesome, and I, it's why I love Pantera. You know, they left out on a high note. Unfortunately, they could have been making more music, but, you know, we got a nice, solid catalog from them with, uh, you know, nobody that can really bitch or complain about it. So if anybody would like to put in their two cents on... You know what they feel is the greatest Pantera movement album, etc., etc. We're full of crap. You're right. We're not. Hit us up on the Facebook page. Give us your feedback. As far as the Pantera of the new generation, you know, a lot of people throw that around and like to use that as some kind of tag. You know, I don't really want to think there is another Pantera. I, there's a lot of people that are Pantera wannabes. They definitely influenced the wave after them. I'd say the most common comparison is going to be Lamb of God. I'm not saying I agree with that, but that's what's get thrown that gets thrown around the most, you know. And I I am I'm a Lamb of God fan, you know. I've I've seen those guys, gosh, eight nine times, including once in Beijing, China, of all places. And you know, they've got the fan base that they did, but I just I can't. Nobody has that same chemistry. Nobody has that mix of just. Hey, we're from the South, we're from Texas. Booze and fuel and fueled attitude that they had. Not to mention, Pantera had arguably the tightest rhythm section, you know, in popular metal. 
between Vinnie Paul, Rex Brown, and Diabag Daryl. They were just, they were so tight, it was scary, you know. I can't give that to Lamb of God, and I can't give that to anybody else that I've heard in recent time. And, you know, I love the fact that they just had the one guitar player, Dimebag Daryl, held it down all by himself, man. And, you know, it gave Rex Brown room to breathe. It wasn't just a cluster of stuff going on. And then, of course, you got everybody and their mom wanting to emulate Phil and Selmo, you know, and that the Panther scream. And no one's ever going to come close to that. You know, I think Randy Blythe, you know, definitely takes some inspiration off that as well. But, you know, you know, like I said, I don't think I don't think we've gotten a second coming of Pantera. Just like we're never going to get a se- we're not going to get another Metallica. We're not going to get another Slayer. You know, we're going to get your your Sodoms and all these other bands that are Slayer ripoffs or whatever. So I don't know. I don't really like to think of it like that. But if you guys have an opinion who you think is going to take over whatever crown from whoever, once again, let us know on the Facebook page. Big news for the week for me last week: American Idol did something that was totally unpredictable for me by having the metal gods, Judas Priest, on the show. I never would have thought in my short life that they would have been on such a show, you know, especially, no disrespect for Priest, but, you know, they are in their own league within the metal community. They're not exactly mainstream anymore. We all know they had their heyday in the 80s, but even then, it was for a certain kind of people. Um, For them to have performed in front of 30 million people, most of probably never really even heard of Judas Priest were probably 14 year old girls or 50 year old soccer moms is just baffling you know and it's even more surreal coming off the news that KK Downing has left that band which that happened some weeks back uh, founding member him and Ian Hill were the only founding members from day one and he leaves right before their epitaph farewell tour kicks off which was another shock and they've since recruited 31 year old Richie Faulkner um, who's played with Lauren Harris, Steve Harris of Iron Maiden fame, her solo band. Um, you know, I, when I instantly heard the news they were retiring, it was sad. But, you know, they're getting up there, and I can't disrespect it. I've seen them before, and I'm happy about that. And I totally wanted to catch the Epitaph tour and um, see the celebration of their entire catalog. But then, you know, the news of KK leaving, it really leaves a bitter taste in your tongue. It's like, do I really want to see them up there rocking with some official new member of the band that is joining him on the farewell tour i mean it's a, first of all questions are raised why not kk just finish the last tour or hang it up early but after that i guess they announced that it's not really they're not hanging it up for good they're just saying no more world tours that's not to say that they wouldn't consider small strings of dates in the future and even recording which they have a new album underway right now so weird enough as it is already see them on uh, American Idol, you have this new young guy who, granted, fit the image pretty well. Playing guitar on the TV show made it seem more or less a figment of my imagination. But, you know, there's <sighs> criticism. It's like, is it a good thing? Is this something that's near and dear? Is it almost sacrilege for a band like Judas Priest to be on such a mainstream pop-oriented show? Or is it a good thing for metal? Is it good exposure? I mean, I guarantee you the the following couple days after that, their ringtones of, you know, you got another thing coming or breaking the law probably, you know, took a spike, which is a good thing. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. It doesn't hurt my feelings, you know, when someone like Judas Priest does something like that. They've always been one of my favorite bands ever since I was pretty much in the womb. I think the only band that honestly 
could hurt my feelings with certain actions like that would be Metallica. Otherwise, I I learned to cope. You know, that's what we do with the bands we love. We forgive and forget, but it's not a bad thing by any stretch. You know, especially if they're trying to wind down. But if you go on YouTube and actually give the performance a chance, um, Richie Faulkner is actually a highlight. He actually tears it up, does uh, KK's parts justice, and doesn't affect the show. It actually gave me second thoughts about maybe wanting to catch him. So, In other news, last week I was talking about uh, the latest Opeth release and how I'm anticipating that greatly. Um, a few days back they actually announced the title of the album and it is to be called Heritage. And if you look at the track listing, if you're an Opeth fan, the track songs, the names, uh, they're a little unconventional, you know, they make you raise an eyebrow, because it's, they're not very Opeth-esque, if you may. Um, but the biggest thing is that there's 10 songs in this album, that's way more than any Opeth album has ever had. Their songs are usually giant epics, we're talking 10 minutes, 13 minutes, etc., etc., and they've got anywhere from six, seven, you know, what odd songs. So ten songs is going to tell us either that they're really going for a different format here and the songs are going to be shorter, or, you know, perhaps there's a couple of segue um, tracks with, you know, once again, five humongously long epic tracks. Who knows? Only time will tell, but it's coming out in September, literally a week after the new Dream Theater. So I'm going to have a heart attack, personally. Don't know if I like that or if I love it, you know, I or what. Because you know, part of me, when a big album comes out, I want to bond with it and listen to nothing that but that until it just... I can't listen to it anymore for months on end. So for the Dream Theater to come out, and then Opeth the next week, I'm going to be torn you know, on how to spend my time. But I'm sure I'll be fine. I think it will be uh, another step in their musical evolution. You know, I think it's going to be even weirder. <laughs> I think the progressive rock influences are going to shine even brighter through it. And like on Watershed, their last album... I think you're going to see a lot of, a lot more mellow parts and contrast, you know, with the occasional, you know, heavy brutality, as you may. And I'm okay with that because I loved Watershed. So, uh, one more thing I wanted to throw in. I actually just saw this today, um, right before I started recording this, and I just thought I'd throw it in. I was on Blabbermouth.net. Like I said, car crash can't help not reading it. And there was a post on there about the corn bass player Fieldy. You know, say what you want about the band. Um, we could trash or diss or, you know, accept hate mail or love mail, whoever you are from that band all day long. But it's not really about that. Um, I know they're not extreme. He had this post about his side project, and I, I did read it, and they were called Stillwell. And then it, it was two unknowns, Fieldy on guitar, and the drummer was actually the guy from POD. You know, I was reading about it. He was talking about his corn bandmates actually weren't grooving to his new project that well. And curiosity got the better of me, and I listened to the YouTube link they had posted. And I just, it's the reason why I'm here actually even talking about it. Otherwise, I wouldn't even be wasting my breath. I could not stop laughing. It is that bad. Um, I think it's called On and Poppin'. It was the most 1996 throwback to G Wankster wannabe I it was just laughable I couldn't I couldn't contain my bowels I almost released myself in my bed it sounded like a demo that an 11 year old recorded in his basement you know not even that good you know I know 11 year olds I could probably produce something way better and the vocals were ridiculous they were off key they didn't fit what the guys were doing and I don't know I just 
<laughs> just thought I'd push that. I don't even know why I'm promoting something that's awful. That doesn't even make sense, does it? But anyway, if you guys want to laugh or give me your feedback. Actually, I really want your feedback of that. I want to know that I'm not crazy, that it's just so bad. It can't be one of those things that's just so bad it's good and I'm just missing something. Go to YouTube, type in Stillwell, and the track is on and popping. And please post something on the Facebook Somebody be in my side in this. Or tell me I'm just a jackass, whatever. Anyway. Dave Mustaine thought it was pretty funny. And with that, I want to get into um, some concert review. Week before last, I attended the Romstein Show in Chicago, Illinois. They are on their first North American tour. And I believe since 2001. It's only a select run of dates, and they're playing arenas. For that reason, if they were to go on a full-blown scale, they wouldn't be able to fill arena-sized venues that could support their eclectic, pyro-filled show. So, they made that sacrifice. So I had to make another, yet another pilgrimage to Chicago. And it was worth every, every hour of driving and every moment of waiting and every penny spent. Romstein stage show is almost legendary. You hear people talking about it. Um, it didn't disappoint, you know. It was very theatric, you know. They, they, you know, usually it's the other way around. Usually you go see a rock show and you're there for the music and they have like lights and lasers, maybe some pyro just to kind of add uh, dynamic to the songs. It's kind of the other way around. It's like the songs are there to back up the pyrotechnics. It's just they are that much into it. Opening form at the show is Combi Christ, European industrial metal act. Uh, I've never listened to them. I've heard about them uh, over the last, gosh, eight, nine years or whenever they came out. Just uh, never really gave them a shot. I, you know, I actually enjoyed it. If I've never listened to a band outside of a live concert, it's really tough to get the feel of the actual music. Because, I mean, you know what I'm saying. It gets so loud, and they were extremely bassy. I didn't hear a single guitar. Um, so I wasn't going to get the actual feel. I'd have to bond with the record. But you do get the live feel, which is something completely different. And, you know, I enjoyed it for an opening band. Definitely wasn't the worst. I didn't feel like... You know, going to the restroom or going to get a drink or whatever. But when Rammstein came on, everybody was waiting for it. They opened up with Romlide, the opening track off their latest album. Literally, the entrance was so grand. They had uh, they had the guitar players smash through the backdrop, which was like a brick wall, with sledgehammers. And then a chamber rises from the floor where singer Till Lindman is supposedly hiding in and you can hear pounding and pounding and pounding building up to the song about to start until the door just gets thrown from its hinges and thrusted across the stage and he makes his appearance and then you know all hell broke loose they really didn't change their set list from what they were doing in Europe you know they played gosh almost every song off their latest album which you know is good because the new album goes over really well live. Those songs sound incredible live, even better than on the album. Um, but on one hand, you know, since they haven't been here since 2001, they missed they missed us on album cycles such as Rise Rise, Rosenrot, and things like that. So, you know, I kind of thought, at least just for us Americans, they would mix up their catalog a little bit so we can get a taste of what we missed out on. But, can't complain nonetheless. They plowed after hit after hit after, you know, concert staple mainstay. Um, it wasn't a bad song the whole night. But I, of course, have my favorites. They played Firefly. Um, if you know that song, that's the signature song they do every show where guitar players and Till Lindman all put on their flame masks and shoot what look like 30 feet flames into the sky. 
it was intense and it's definitely a highlight. I literally thought my eyebrows got singed off. You could feel the heat anywhere in that arena. Um, aesthetically speaking, their uh, initial single off their last album, you know, strangely titled Pussy, um, Tongue in Cheek. You know, I, I really didn't like the song the first time I heard it, but now it's just, I accept its silliness and I actually find myself looking forward to it on my, my shuffle list. But anyway, there's a point in the song where singer Till Lidman is straddling on a cannon molded and designed to look like a human penis. And this <laughs> cannon is swaying back and forth all across the stage, getting everybody in the audience in, in the line of fire for foam that's supposed to symbolize semen. And so he's just spraying and ejaculating all over everybody in the crowd. And, you know, everybody's digging it, even the guys. I mean, I, I think I even saw some people with their mouths open and their tongues hanging out trying to catch a taste. It was pretty sick, but I enjoyed it. The most impressive pyrotechnics of the night actually went to the, you know, American hit Duhas. You know, it's kind of like their inner Sandman. It's like, do I necessarily want to uh, hear that song for the umpteenth millionth time? Probably not, but I found myself really digging it, actually. And the whole crowd dug it. Everybody was singing every word. And there was this moment where they shot fireworks from the stage across the floor and across the arena. Um, and then they came right back over the crowd and right back to the stage. It's like, I've never seen anybody fire anything like that over people. Um, oh, the possibilities, oh, the possibilities. But it gave my heart a jump start and had me smiling like a kid in a candy store. It was amazing finish the show off we got ourselves a special night on us they finished off with angel that was their encore also from the uh Sensuate album and one of their first hits with us till lemon makes his stage presence uh with giant wings that are just shooting fire from all corners of them and um after that was over we got a treat it was the drummer christoph doom schneider's birthday so they present a cake with him. They all get to the forefront of the stage with lights on, and we all sing a rousing rendition of Happy Birthday for him. So it was really cool to at least be a part of that, something different, something aside from everybody else. All in all, worth the trip. It was an amazing concert. Sounded great. Now, my only feedback, you know, there's some speculation, and it's true. There are moments where Tillin lip syncs. You know, not every moment. Like, when he comes on... The very first words of the first song, look it up on YouTube, he's lip-syncing that. But after that first verse, he's not. And listen to them, go YouTube Steinem Stein off the Rise Rise album. Uh, the chorus, he lip-syncs it. Not the verses, when he's yelling, Stein, um, Stein, and all that. I don't know if it's because he can't do it anymore, if it's too hard on his vocals, but it's totally lip-synced. So, you know, I forgive it, but... All or none. We don't pay to see Britney Spears. We came to see Rammstein. So, you know what? I respect the Raw show. Metallica. You know, I know what? I keep referencing Metallica, but you know what? Sue me. It's our podcast. I'll do it all I want. You know what? James Hetfield is the most inconsistent vocalist, and he has been since the 80s. Not just new Metallica. He's always been. He's never sounded like the albums, and concerts have always changed. You know, he, and he's, all, he's messed up the lyrics. He messes up the lyrics 
all the time, you know, and I think it's awesome. I think it just makes the concert all that much more unique and special from the one apart from it. And his vocals aren't perfect. I respect that raw approach. It's rock and roll. It doesn't have to be perfect. I'm just going to give you my honesty and my attitude, and I'll take that over pristine any day of the week. But that last little bit was just small criticism. It wasn't to knock the stage show or the concert or the enjoyment factor of the experience. Please, if you get a chance, who knows if they're going to be back. I hope they will. I went at the chance that I wasn't going to get the opportunity to see him again. But do it if you can, because it was fantastic and worth the money. And of course, we got to round the segment off with an album review. This past week, folk metal band Tear from the Furrow Islands released their latest album, The Lay of Thrime. You know, I've never really been big on the whole folk metal um, subgenre. You know, I think of bands like Corpaclani and things like that, or even Amon Amarth, which they all have their own flavors, but I just didn't know what to expect. A friend of mine got me into Tear with their 2003 Eric the Red album, and actually I instantly fell in love. If you're somebody that likes power metal or Iron Maiden or Priest or anything with real musicianship, you can dig this album. There's no screaming, there's none of that. The vocalist sings clean, and he's really good, and there's just tons of classic-style lead guitar work abound, and it's just really, really catchy. This album stays consistent with their other work, you know. Kicks off with Flames of the Free. It's a faster, galloping song, really catchy, but track two really hits harder with Shadow of the Swastika. It's got a very classical guitar melody that I've been humming for two days straight, and it totally reminds me of Tchaikovsky's Nutcrackers. I can't get it out of my head. I feel like I'm watching that. Another key track, Take Your Tyrant. It's got the most amazing sing-along chorus. I can just imagine. When I think of this band, I, I think of them as drinking music. I, I picture every, I picture a bunch of heavyset bearded men in an English pub um, just all waving their steins and mugs in the air like a bunch of pirates just singing along to this. That's It's just feel-good, fun music. Very fun to dance to if you go to shows and just kind of wail your arms and run around in circles and just don't hit people in the throats, just run around and have fun. It's that kind of music. Take your tyrant. You'll be singing it for a week. Check that one out. Another another key track, Evening Star. It slows things down a bit. Sort of a ballad, but not really. It's got a bolero-like feel with a slow build-up and the chorus is just booming and once again, that classic sing-along sing -along thing that they're so great at. Another key track, it slows down a little bit with Evening Star. Not to be confused with the Judas Priest classic. <laughs> it's kind of a bolero feel, you know, it's really melodic. Um, but it's got this slow build-up to this big, booming, anthemic chorus that you just want to stand up, even if you're sitting down, put your fist in the air, even if you're by yourself, and just pump it and sing it along. It's, it's, it's incredible. Another key track, Fields of the Fallen. It's probably the most straightforward metal album, Galloping Chugga Chugga. It's not something I'm super used to from them, but once again, it's got those very tasteful vocals, and that's where they shine the most. They shine so much in just having hooky, hooky vocals, and it's really hard to do without coming off hokey or poppy or whatever, but they pull it off. It's a very, very, very solid album. I honestly, you know, I'm waiting for there to be an album for me to review that I can just crucify. You know, I don't want to sit there and like everything. It's bugging me. But this is only the second episode. But honest to God, I can't say anything bad about this album. The whole thing is solid, you know, and they usually are. Like I said, my favorite was 2003's Eric the Red. If you want to get into these guys, 
you know, I'd say this album is a pretty good one to get into. It's really catchy, really accessible. But listen to Eric the Red. Just hear that first track. YouTube the track The Edge. And it's just, I don't know even how to describe it. It's jubilant. You will be singing it. And it's a long track, but it's so catchy. And it'll just... You'll just picture yourself swabbing a deck on some pirate ship in the rain and a bunch of drunk pirates just singing. I don't know. But um, check that out off 2003's Eric the Red. It's called The Edge and the whole album if you feel up to it. If you guys really want to fork out the extra cash, the special edition has an obvious tribute to the late Ronnie James Dio with covers of Black Sabbath's Eye and Rainbow's classic Stargazer. Very, very, very well done as well, especially the Black Sabbath song. They do super good on that. I, I've been rocking that one a lot. Um, the Stargazer, you know, Rainbow Rising is one of my favorite classic metal albums. Nothing's ever going to top the originals, but they, they do a fantastic job as well. But don't just take my word for it. Dave Mustaine, how did you like it? Nah, what does he know anyway? Check it out. It's amazing. You know, and I think it leads us to our closeout part of the segment, which is our throwdown of such where i ask a question on basically you're voting which is better you know one of the oldest i don't even know if you want to call it a debate because judas priest fans are generally iron maiden fans as well or at least there's a mutual respect but sometimes it's either or but at the very least somebody likes one or the other a little more than the other um iron maiden's clearly the the bigger juggernaut of the two they fill soccer stadiums worldwide it's hard to compete with that and a lot of people can't imagine them ever playing on American Idol. I mean, if they really want to throw out the pot shots like that. But I've always been a Priest fan. I'm not going to let the American Idol taint that. Um, to me, the songwriting was there. I think they just revolutionized so much. They started the image, the leather. You know, we're not even going to get into the whole homosexual thing. I don't care if being a leather-clad biker is gay. It's also metal, So, and I stick with the metal. Not that I'm not a huge fan of Maiden. I'm a huge fan of Maiden, but my heart's always been with Priest. So I want to know what you guys think. Classic grade school question, Priest or Maiden? I want to see this argument get some wheels and some legs on it. And you know what? Don't just leave it at that. If you want to, leave it at that. But give us a reason why, you know. I'm sorry. You can't compete with Stained Class. And they're... they're I'm sorry. Their evolution. They had so much of an evolution in that band from the 70s to Sin After Sin to Stained Class. I'm sorry. That's a heavy-ass album. And then you get into, you know, their more commercial era where they've got Screaming for Vengeance and, and British Steel, their peak, if you will. But my all-time favorite, Defenders of the Faith. I'm sorry. It, as far as production goes, it's very 80s. A lot of reverb, etc., etc. But man, the songs are there. It is the heaviest album of that sort of genre that that genre that they influenced and it's just amazing check it out and then of course they're not without fault they had turbo and ram it down which were just abortions of records and shameful you know what all the greatest acts have those moments so let us know what you think anything about the podcast fun full of crap whatever if you disagree agree give me feedback we need the feedback we got to get better you know let me know iron maiden judas priest what you think about Tear? Any more questions involving anything in music? Ask us. Ask Riverman. Ask anybody. All right, guys. On that note, I'm going to get it back to those guys. Show some love. Stick around. I'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Later.
jump into our review segment here with a director of the month, which is Ty West. Double feature, too. Double feature, yeah. We got The Roost. We're going to start out with The Roost. And House of the Devil is the other one. House of the Devil, yeah. Roost came out in 2005. Yep. Um, well, starring Tom Noonan, in order of appearance, Tom Noonan, is what they say in the movie in fine print. Yeah, so. yeah. If you're going to watch this for Tom Noonan, yeah, you might want to watch the first ten minutes of it or the last ten minutes of it. Yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, um, I guess jumping right into it, that was kind of the uh, one of the high points for me oh, was I Tom agree. Noonan. Uh, I just love that guy. He's uh, actually kind of becoming like a, a Ty West go-to guy now. You know, he's been in House of the Devil and... and uh, and then wasn't he? Isn't he supposedly going to be in that the new one too? The Innkeepers. Innkeepers. I think he might be. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to. Don't quote me on that. But okay. I'll have to double check that. Um, but yeah, his his couple little segments there, I really liked. It was kind of a you know old school like creature feature, creature like feature, TV yeah. show host kind of guy, you know. And he's just he's so good at being just like he's like real good like subtle creepy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the high points of the movie for me. But um, anyway, I just I don't know. You want to give kind of a quick rundown of the movie? Yeah, it's basically about uh, these four, uh, let's say, uh, middle middle twenties kids or whatever that they're going on a, a trip to uh, their friend's wedding, and uh, you know they're driving along. They end up uh, it's Halloween night, which is you know kind of cliche a little bit, yeah, but little bit. <laughs> uh, they end up taking you know the back road or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the shortcut. The shortcut, <laughs> yeah. Which you know, of course, the the woman of the group doesn't want to take the shortcut. But, you know, the guys always think they can find a faster way. So, you know, they take the shortcut, and of course, you know, well, actually, I think a bat flies into their, uh, yeah. flies into the glass of their, uh, windshield. Yeah, and they go off the road. And they go off the road. You know, they crash or whatever, and uh, hit a rock or something. Cars, stuck yeah, in a ditch. Stuck, yeah. Um, you know, which is, which has been overdone and everything, but I mean, this film looks, Let's just say, I mean, quality-wise, it's it's really grainy. It's really dark. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the scenes, like in the beginning, it's really hard to tell what's going on uh, with, like, you know, the characters walking around and such. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which, you know, was hit or miss with me. I actually didn't like it at first, but then I kind of started to like it. I kind of got the feel of the movie after I got into it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoyed it a lot more. Um yeah, so the group of kids, you know, get run off the road, and they need to find, you know, a tow truck or whatever. So they end up walking to the the nearest house or whatever, the farmhouse they can find. But, um, you know, of course, nobody's home. But I think I'm a little ahead of myself. Do you want to talk about maybe the old people that... Well, yeah, I mean, it kind of it jumps back and forth a little bit towards the beginning. I mean, you go from these uh, these people that are on this road trip... And then uh, it cuts to these two old people that are, like, leaving their house, kind of talking about taking a little uh, trip or something. And uh, the wife is, you know, just kind of nagging the husband. Mm-hmm. The husband just wants to, like, kick her ass or something. <laughs> All right, you little bitch. Um, but uh, she she gets in the car. Did you lock the barn? And so he's like, God damn it. And fucking <laughs> Stop he's, shouting at me, devil woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me my business. Uh, so he goes to uh, to lock the barn, and of course he's hearing some noises. He goes into the barn, and then you don't really get to see what happens to him. And then, of course, the wife goes to check on him, and yeah. you start hearing more noises, and it goes black, and you hear all kinds of shit going on. 
and then that's about it for them. Yeah. Um, so then we go back to the uh, the four on the road trip, and they uh, they do end up coming to the old people's house, um, looking for help. And uh, of course, yeah, nobody's home. Nobody's around. Yeah. And uh, they don't know what to do. I mean, some of them want to stay there and wait until they might come home, or a few of them want to go out and like look for somebody else. So uh, two of the characters end up. Uh, Walking out, trying to find somebody on the road. They end up running into a cop or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so they end up bringing, uh, bringing the cop back to the house to pick the other two up. So they can get back to their car and call a tow truck. Um, but one of, the, one of the kids that was at the farmhouse ends up running out and running, out, running over to the barn. Like, oh, I'm going to go check out this random person's barn. <laughs> yeah. Which like, doesn't really make any fucking sense. But um, yeah. I guess, you know, it's part of the story, I guess. So uh, they check out. He checks out the barn. Of course, he disappears. They can't find him. So the rest of them go off look for him. The cop and the other, the other characters, and um, and then that's. I mean, after a few minutes of you know them searching, is when we finally see the bats. Yeah. Uh, come in. I mean, well, we really get a good look. You know, at the, what they're doing. You know, or what's happening to all these people as these bats are attacking them. Mm-hmm. Um. Which was one thing I, I mean, I like sometimes when I was talking about the old woman, how it goes black and then you hear all this, you know, commotion. I do like that sometimes, you know, because it kind of lets you use your own imagination as far as what's going on. Um, and Ty West, he, it seems like he likes to do a lot of that here. He's, he, t- he definitely takes his time with it and he, like, he, he'll linger on a shot for a while, yeah. you know? Which, at times, I liked. Other times, I thought it was kind of hurting the movie. Yeah. Um, it was just slowing things down way too much. Um, but, so yeah, we get our first, you know, look at what's going on. All these bats are attacking people. And then uh, they attack the cop. Yeah. Uh, right? And mm-hmm. uh, he ends up dying. They go, uh, the, you know, all the kids take off running and... They end up looking down where the cop's body was, and it's not there anymore. Yeah. So you're like, okay, what the hell's this about? And turns out that if you get bitten by these bats, you basically turn into a zombie. <laughs> so, <laughs> but in the, in the bats, I mean, for the most part, I mean, they look pretty decent. But some of the parts, I mean, you could tell they're fake, yeah, fake as shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. Which Sh- <laughs> shades of birdemic? Yeah, <laughs> not that bad, but. <laughs> Which kind of takes away from it. I mean, the whole bats turning people into zombies is maybe you know okay for some, but I mean, yeah. I I mean, I mean, I don't think I, I've never seen that done before. No, where bat, but, you know, a, a bite from a bat turns you into a zombie. I've never seen that done necessarily, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, it was different. I'll give it that, but I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Basically, I don't know, long story short for me, I was just kind of lukewarm on the whole movie. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. I. It was okay. Um, I had high hopes for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a couple things that I did like, like I said, was the, the segment, a couple segments with Tom Noonan. Um, he was really good. And then uh, the music in it, too, the score, I, I really enjoyed. Um, uh, it just, I don't know, it was great, but it just, it, I don't know, didn't really do the movie much Good. I don't think this time it was awesome music, but it just wasn't really fitting what was going on. And I agree. I mean, I I give this probably maybe like, you know, probably a two, two and a half out of five or something. Yeah. Which yeah. I mean, it's if you're a Ty West fan, you definitely need to check this out. Mm-hmm. Um, check out his back catalog, of course. But uh, 
I mean, I actually thought some of the zombies looked kind of cool. Yeah, the the makeup um, effects were pretty well done. Yeah, and uh, like some of the kill scenes were kind of. I mean, like uh, one of them. Let's just say they end up shooting a guy in the face, and like you know, smoke's coming out of his mouth because yeah. from the you know from the wound and everything. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh huh. Um, I and was... I I actually really enjoy. I really enjoyed the ending. Um, let's just say it's not the most happy ending. Yeah. Which which I enjoy about, you know, Ty West. He's pretty uh, real when it comes to that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just for the... Probably just watch this for the diehard Ty West fans. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't recommend it unless, you know, you are a Ty... West. I'm sober and I'm fucking... Oh, God. Maybe you need... Maybe we need to crack a couple. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you pretty much get what we get what I'm talking about. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, yeah, I'm pretty much of the same opinion. Maybe two and a half out of five or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I just I was kind of hoping for some more gore in it. Yeah, I you agree. Know? Um, which on the uh, on the Netflix, you know, on the the package that it comes in, they always give a little description or whatever. And mm-hmm. I just really need to learn to stop going by those because it said this gory movie. Blah blah blah, and I'm like, it really wasn't that gory. I didn't think there was a little bit, but you know, it wasn't uh, wasn't as gory as I was thinking it was no. going to be. But uh, but I mean, that's the way he directs. He's not like you know, he right. goes for more you know, sure, slow burn type of you know, like little scares in there. And uh, one scene I really wanted to mention that I thought was I don't know, caught me off guard. I ended up rewinding it twice because I was sitting here, I was kind of. You know, not paying attention for a second, and yeah. it caught me off guard was uh, when the a girl's sitting in like the a- the attic or whatever, mm-hmm. and like a zombie just pops out, you know, from underneath like the the door mm-hmm. or the cellar door, and ends up biting her in the arm or whatever, which I thought was kind of yeah, kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, kind of reminded me like something like an evil evil dead. dead. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what it reminded me of too. Which which I kind of liked, and I mean these zombies kind of. They look. They don't just look like zombies. I mean, some some look demonic too, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's I guess pretty much all I yeah had on it really. Okay, it was. It was I mean, it was okay. But, you know, I watched it once. I probably won't revisit it. You know, no, I probably won't. Um, there's a there's a few fans out there. I mean, there's a lot of people that think it sucked, but mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't say it sucks. It's just you know not yeah. the greatest. No, yeah. Um. I guess that'll, you know, roll into the next one yeah. here. A little mm. House of the Devil. Uh, Ooh, yeah. Superior movie. <laughs> superior. Far superior yeah, to, uh, to The Roost. Roost yes. Um, Waka Faka. Again, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you said something about, you know, slow burners. Yeah. And uh, this one, you know, I think it was, it was slow, but I thought it did a good job of building tension. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the end of it was just... It was kind of out of left. I mean, not completely out of left field, but because yeah. you kind of saw some of the stuff coming. But yeah, I mean, the uh, like the last ten minutes of it was just like nuts. You're like, well, oh crazy. god. Um, and I like how you know he just kind of builds and builds and builds, and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, hits you with all this fucking craziness. You know, um, there was released back in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, looked like it was a limited release, uh, October 30th. Um, of course, directed by Ty West, and um, I think. Tom Noonan was in it, of course. Yeah, yeah Tom Noonan was and in Mary it. Warnoff. Mary and Mary Warnoff. Mary um, Warnoff is awesome. Dr. Vader. Dr. Vader wants to see you. She is the shit. 
And uh, the main Jocelyn girl... Jocelyn Donahue? Jocelyn. Or Jocelyn yeah, Donahue. Yeah, Jocelyn, Jocelyn Donahue. Okay, yep. yeah. Yeah, man, uh, that Jocelyn Donahue is fucking... That brought us hot. Yeah, yeah, she I did. Mean, she did a good job in the movie, too, I thought. I haven't, I'm, I haven't really seen her anything else. Um, and I'm hoping to see a lot more of her. Cause, uh, oh, yeah. And I love it. I mean, the style of the movie, you know, like... The you know early '80s, late '70s type of style, mm-hmm. like the the intro with the random pauses and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, was just I mean, totally has that look to that it. throwback look. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you didn't know better, you'd think that it was you know, if you'd think that it was made back then. You know, I I thought uh, just is how it looked. You know, they have everything from you know the look of you know the buildings, the cars, the. You know, the pizza shop, everything is just spot on. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, I, I really... I, I dug that about it. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I mean, and there's been a lot of stuff, you know, lately. A lot of the, you know, people trying to throw back to, like, Grindhouse, you know, yeah. type shit. But this one, I mean, it didn't have scratches and pops and all that yeah. stuff, which was cool. It just had that fucking look and feel to it of a late 70s, early 80s flick. Uh, which, I, yeah, I, I, I like that about it. Yeah, pretty much. It starts out, you know, where this this girl she's trying to get her own place because her roommate is pretty much a fucking slut. And yeah, she's always banging some dude in there, and this chick's you know she's not getting any sleep or anything, so she wants to get the hell out of there. She's probably just mad she's not getting any action or something. But... <laughs> yeah. So she uh, she goes out looking. She finds a place, and actually, there's a, a little cameo from uh, D. Wallace. That's who Stone I was wondering. Yeah. yeah. Wallace, yeah, Wallace. she plays the yeah. the landlady or whatever. Um, not you know a real big part, but uh, you know just a quick little cameo for her, uh, which is it's cool to still see her it popping is, up here yeah. and there, you know. But uh, so this girl gets the place and she's trying to uh, what was it? She didn't have the security deposit. No, she didn't have enough money. But uh, her landlady works something out with her if she can just come up with the first month's rent, she'll mm-hmm. just take that. So she's kind of needing some cash and. Uh, she sees, what was it, like an ad for a babysitter wanted? An ad for a babysitter, yeah, on the college campus, like mm-hmm. billboard or something. Yeah, yeah. And she ends up calling the number, and uh, of course nobody picks up, and then the, the payphone en- ends up starting to ring Ringing back at her. Right after that. Yeah. She hangs up, which is usually a little strange. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and of course Tom Noonan's on the other line trying to, you know, look looking for a babysitter uh, for their supposed child. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing if uh, she wants to earn some extra bucks, and uh, they, they plan to meet, don't they? They plan yeah. to meet, and then uh, he kind of stands her up. Yeah, he doesn't show. Uh, he doesn't show, so she's all kind of pissed off about that, and then uh, ends up getting back in touch with him again, and he like profusely apologizes, oh, yeah. you know, uh, and finally gets her to agree to uh, to meet with him again, and uh, she ends up yeah meeting with him and taking the job. Um, but while, uh, when she gets to the house, she's talking to, uh, to Tom Noonan and, and he ends up kind of coming clean with her. Well, supposedly coming yeah. clean with her about, you know, that the, the babysitting job is not for a child. It's for an elderly woman. Mm-hmm. And basically all she has to do is just sit there and yeah. make sure nothing happens to this, this elderly woman. And, uh, yeah, it was the, the mother of, uh. Mary Warnoff's character, I guess she's right. old, elderly, and sick or something, so she's bedridden or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. 
um, which is kind of you know kind of creepy in its own right. You know, you got to watch an old lady like to kind of yeah con you into doing that. Yeah. Like I don't know how comfortable I would be with it, yeah. but I think they end up offering her like four hundred bucks or something. Yeah, she is, she gets uh, she gets some more money out of him for you know because he wasn't exactly honest with her, so she ends up talking him talking about it some more money. Yeah, um, so she makes out pretty good, but one thing i do want to mention too is their house oh it's yeah fucking just creepy as shit and that's one thing i liked about this movie is i thought ty west did a good job with atmosphere oh yeah and uh you know the set design was real creepy and, and yeah the, the clothing design i mean everything was straight back from the early 80s like the clothing you know the feathered hair or whatever oh yeah, oh yeah. and yeah. uh i mean even like the coke you know the coke glasses or whatever and like the local pizza shop yeah, the cups yeah. or whatever yeah yeah it was yeah. something straight back from the early 80s so yeah he was he was phenomenal in that sense mm-hmm. um i mean i can't say enough about that for the atmosphere yeah um so yeah they uh yeah she was with her uh, her girlfriend or her friend or whatever her, she ends up dropping her off at the house and her friend wasn't too happy about you know dropping her off after they lied to her and shit mm-hmm. so uh you know they go in and um well i think he already covered most of that but <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah they went in and then the friend ends up leaving because you know tom noonan says that you know he's only paying for one person to watch the mother right so uh friends ends up leaving and i think does she end up going to like hanging out for a while to before she has to pick her up again does she go to, like a cemetery or something yeah so she stops Along the way somewhere, and uh, ends up running into that some dude, you know, yeah, some random some, dude, and I won't give away what happens yeah. with that, but it wasn't really pretty. <laughs> just say he's a crazed pizza boy. Yeah, a crazy pizza boy. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, needless to say, you don't uh, you don't end up seeing much more of her friend after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> after she runs into this guy. Um, but yeah, then just, you know, I mean, as the movie kind of goes on, as I said, it's, you know, it's a slow burner, but, uh, as it goes on, there's just kind of little things that happen here and there, you know, just little creepy, weird things that just kind of, it just makes you feel like worse and worse about what's like going to happen to her, you know? It's basically her, like 45 minutes of the movie is like her in the house and just like her walking around, you know, doing things and like, you know eating pizza or whatever you want to call it and some people might hate that mm-hmm. but i mean yeah like you're saying there's these like little subtle like creepy eerie feelings mm-hmm. that you get and um i could see you know i could see why some people wouldn't like that oh sure sure but uh i don't know it just it's something i haven't seen in for you know years and years like this is just something different and i don't know i i don't know about you lush but this this movie actually creeped me out this is the yeah. only movie that creeped me out here probably one of them ever mm-hmm Ever since I was a kid, or so, yeah. I I was end up watching it right around Halloween, and I didn't yeah. know really what I was getting. I just threw this on, and uh, like I couldn't stop talking about this movie afterwards. Yeah, it it is a good, uh, good creepy little movie, you know. And you know, I, like you said, not everybody's going to be a fan of it. Uh, if you're looking for like just all out craziness, a lot of gore, you know, stuff like that, not your movie at all. Um, but it's you know like like you said, River. It's something different. Um, it's a slower one, but it I thought it builds well. Yeah. And uh, the you know like I said, the last ten minutes of it just kind of go nuts. Oh my know? god, it's, <laughs> it's phenomenal, yeah. man. The ending's great. Yeah, it was a pretty cool ending. It just ties everything together, and I mean, some people might have known what happened, but others might not have. Mm-hmm. So, 
So yeah, I mean, uh, I obviously like this one a hell of a lot more than the Roost. Um, I'd give this, you know, maybe four out of five. Yeah, and just yeah. for the fact that it was a bit slow, which is kind of the point, you know, yeah. it's supposed to be a slower movie, but you know, I, I thought there was times where he could have maybe sped it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, that, that's just me. Um, so yeah, I'd give it like four out of five probably. And me, I'd probably give it, I mean, I'm a little, uh, I don't know. I blew my load a little bit probably more over this movie, but <laughs> yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd give it a five out of five and I would say, nice. yeah, go out and pick this up and, uh, buy it you know if you if you like old school horror mm-hmm. um and you don't need all the gore and shit and yeah. uh but yeah I, I put this over to everybody uh as much as i can and um yeah i mean it's it's one of those that like you could sit down like a night when it's storming or something oh, yeah. and, you know just a good kind of creepy movie to sit and watch on like a stormy night or something like that you know i don't know just fuck that i thought it was great <laughs> yeah it's good <laughs> fuck it um uh, but, but yeah, yeah. He, uh, I guess Ty. Well, getting back to Ty West, I guess the Innkeeper should be coming out here in November. Okay, which is actually, I think, a, a paranormal type of movie mm-hmm. where there's these two characters or whatever that work in this hotel that's going to be closing down. So then, um, I guess I don't know if they bring in like a paranormal team or whatever, and they like I don't know if they're ghost hunting or something like that, but. Uh, I don't know. I haven't. Seen, there's no trailer out for it yet, but uh, I keep looking every week. I want to see a trailer for this because um, I know it's going to be great. And I, I've, I think it was in like uh, um, one of the film festivals. Uh, mm-hmm. The one with Hobo, I'm guessing, was that Sundance or? Yeah, I think so. One of those. Yeah, I think yeah. it was at, and it, it, it got pretty good reviews from what I heard. I mean, not as good as a Hobo, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that, and we'll keep we'll keep the Facebook page up to date on any news about the innkeepers. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing more out of Ty West too. You know, oh, yeah. kind of see how he, how he progresses. You know, um, so yeah, keep keep an eye on him. You know, he, I think he's got some promise. You know, oh sure. yeah, uh, he's a t- he's a talented filmmaker. I think I agree. Um, Can only get better too. I mean, hopefully. I don't know. I've seen some get worse, but what? I mean, <laughs> you said you've seen that uh, Trigger Man. What did you? Think I did of that? see just real I, quick. I did see Trigger Man. Um, I think that came out just after The Roost, actually. Okay, and it's a really, really small movie. I mean, mm-hmm. three characters, or well, I guess five characters, but may, most of the movie is three characters, and that one definitely. I mean, uh, if you don't like slower movies, don't watch that because yeah. that one was fucking slow. I mean, he. When I've said something about you know before about how he likes to like linger on shots for a little while, I mean you get a full you know five minutes of just these guys walking through the woods, yeah, you know, and so he just sticks with that, and I mean that kind of conveys the feeling of the that the characters were having in the movie because they they're going on a hunting trip. One guy planned the whole thing; the other two didn't really want to go, you know, or they didn't really just give a shit about it. They weren't taking it too seriously. So the other two, a lot of for a lot of the movie, they're just bored. Yeah. You know, and so he's showing you them being bored. You know, they're like throwing <laughs> sticks back and forth at each other and shit. And you know, um, and then it, it, it said it was based on like an actual you know events or something like that. Um, so they're you know on this hunting trip, and at one point it just kind of comes out of nowhere. All of a sudden, one of the dudes gets shot. Yeah, um, and they can't see from. They're kind of near this like this big factory, like abandoned looking factory or something, and. Um, so, 
they end up like uh, one guy gets shot, the other two start running, another one gets shot, and then uh, there's one guy left, and it's kind of him. He's he goes into this factory looking place, and he's you know looking for these guys, and ends up having kind of a little showdown with them. And um, I mean, it was decent, but I mean, it was I think an hour and nineteen minutes. And yeah, it felt a lot longer than that. <laughs> yeah, and the roost was probably an hour and twenty minutes too. Yeah. Um, this one, it just, it felt really long. It was good. I mean, it had, uh, I know like Larry Fessenden, um, who's directed a few movies like, uh, vampire flick called habit, uh, mm-hmm. years ago, which, uh, I liked. He, I could see a lot of Ty West in, in him, like in their style, you know, yeah. uh, they're similar styles, Larry Fessenden and, and Ty West, but, um, uh, Larry Fessenden, he's, uh, he had a quick little part in the roost. He was the, uh, was it tow truck driver? Oh, okay. That gets, yeah, that yeah. gets attacked by the bats. Mm-hmm. He was there, and then in Trigger Man, he's one of the uh, one of the um, kind of uh, snipers that you don't really see up until the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was executive produced both of those movies too, The Roost and uh, Trigger Man. I'm not sure if he was uh, an executive producer on um, House, House of, the, of Devil. the Devil, but um, but yeah, he's uh, he's gotten behind Ty West, and he's been a supporter of his. Yeah, and we're big supporters of his uh, films, and um, yeah, if you want to check these movies out, I think, um, check out Netflix. I mean, House of the Devil's streaming on there, Trigger, Trigger Man is streaming, streaming yep. on there, The Roost, you'll have to you know, get The Roost off of Netflix if you want to end up watching that one, but uh, yeah, I mean... Check them out, give them a shot, you know, and see what you think. I mean, his, I think his movies are going to be kind of an acquired taste yeah, for some people. Yeah, definitely acquired. Um but yeah, I mean, you know, give it a shot and see what you think. Let us know, you know, if you think we're way the fuck off base, yeah. tell us. Or you know, if you agree, let us know. Definitely don't don't start with the rooster uh, trigger man. Start with House yeah, of the Devil. Yeah, you check gotta, out House of the Devil. You got to know his directing style before you end up jumping into his shit. Sure, sure. Yeah, House of the Devil is definitely the the main one to check out. And yeah, like Riverman said, it is streaming on Netflix. So if you have that, you are in business. All right, so uh, that that concludes our review segment. <laughs> yes. You're listening to Behind the Mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. If you've ever considered stepping behind the beaded curtain at a sleazy video store, if you've ever watched something so vile that you had to lock the door behind you, if you currently have a VCR, still connected to your home theater, then get yourself over to Exploited Cinema at exploitedcinema.blogspot.com Bat32 and J-Dog always keep it greasy and remember to keep telling yourself It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. It's only a podcast. All right, and we are back. We are back. Go ahead and roll into our uh, first ever... First ever six questions with segment, and today we got a special treat for all you fucking sickos out there. Uh, oh yeah. um, very cool guy took the time to answer our questions, and I know it's not a phone interview, but <laughs> you know, baby steps, right? We're we're getting there, so it's only the second show. Calm down. Um, but yeah, for our first six questions with segment, we got the uh, co-founder of Toe Tag Pictures, uh, Mr. Fred Vogel. Um, very, very excited about, you know, talking to him a little bit and, um, he gave us some great answers. So 
Suppose should I just jump right into just it? Jump, just jump in, Lush. Let's hear. Let's hear what Fred has to say. All right, all right. Uh, question one that we asked Fred was uh, for any of the you know future filmmakers out here. What were uh, some of the biggest obstacles in getting the first August Underground off the ground, and how were they overcome? And Fred says the hardest thing is just doing it. Uh, you need to just get off your ass and make the movie, promote it, screen it. Don't get pissed off if people don't like it. Uh, remember that you did something they didn't, and that's make a fucking movie. Um, which I think, you know, he's exactly right there. I mean, the hardest part is definitely just getting off your oh, ass yeah. and doing it, you know. Um, something we haven't accomplished yet. So. <laughs> no, right? We're getting there. Hopefully getting in there. the future. Yeah. Um, question two. Which of your films presented the biggest challenge? Uh, Fred says all of his films were very challenging because of the content and financial restrictions, but he, uh, but the one he said he thought was most challenging was the Redson Tower, uh, because mainly because one of his actors almost died due to a rare stomach disease during the filming, and he had to rewrite the whole ending of the movie. Um, says thank God he got better, and they did do some pickup shots with him a few months later, but he said that was extremely stressful, and. God, yeah. Oh, I bet. I couldn't even imagine that, man. With with the weight of, you know, trying to get a movie done on your shoulders and then somebody, you know, one of your actors. And I mean, far as I I mean, it could have been some, you know, a friend of his. I'm not sure, you know, if they're friends or not. But, you know, somebody that you get close with those people, you know, when you're doing that. And to see somebody going through a hell like that, then I'm sure that was terrible, too. But, um, yeah, so that's uh, that was his most challenging film, according to Fred. Uh, question three, we asked uh, if they were trying to make a statement with the movie Maskhead, and if so, what was it? And Fred says maybe, but he's not telling. So he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna keep a keep a closed mouth on that one. What, what did he think the statement was? The lush uh, Maskhead. I don't know. I mean, I I had thought of a couple of different things. If it was just a statement on you know kind of, um, you know this whole fucking obsession with you know. Uh, physical beauty and shit, yeah. and, and they just totally tear that apart, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, I don't know, just kind of shit like that, you know? Maybe a kind of a comment on, like, the, you know, the film industry or something like that. I don't know. I had a couple different thoughts on it, but I guess we can speculate all we yeah. want, because he's not going to tell us, so. <laughs> and that's fine. Which is, yeah, which is kind of better. Leave yeah, keep the, keep the mystery going. Leave it open to interpretation. Sure, sure. Uh, question number four, is Toe Tag beginning a quote-unquote new chapter toward more plot-driven fare with Sela Tursica? And Fred says, every film I make will be told the way I envision it. I like to tell stories many ways, and each film is shot and put together to work best for that particular movie. For example, August Underground wouldn't have worked if it was full of plot and shot like a regular movie. And I completely Which agree. Which is true, I yes. I completely agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, it just... If it would have had plot, it would have just took away from the whole, like, kind of just random, like, grimy, you know, feel of it and the realism of it, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, which was one of the, the great things about that movie. Weren't you telling me you said something like, uh, this type of movie you want to, like, I don't know, if you find it on the street or something? Yeah, I think or? that was something off of the uh, off of the DVD. Like, it says, you know, imagine you're, you know, walking down a road or something and you see some old, like, beat-up, like, VHS tape laying there. And you grab it and you take it home and you put it in and then that's what you see is like these two guys torturing and killing people. You yeah. Know? That's kind of the feeling that you get from the movie, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's fucked up, man. It's oh, yeah. pretty, 
So those are some pretty grimy little movies, dude. And I, I really like them. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, let's see. Question number five. If you could go back, is there anything you would change about past projects? And Fred says, not a thing. Which is good, because I wouldn't change no, anything, anything about what I've seen now. either. Uh, and finally, question number six. What's next for the Toe Tag crew? And Fred says, keep spreading the sickness to all of you sickos out there. So they're going to keep it coming. Yeah, and so keep spreading it. Uh, yeah, definitely. Spread it wide open, lay it out for everybody. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's right, man. Yeah, talk, talk about his, you know, if you haven't seen any of his movies, check them out. Um, he's a talented guy, man. I, I really like the stuff that they're doing and um, effects-wise, too, I mean, which is his, you know, kind of his background. Yeah. Um, he was, I think, taught special effects and stuff, and um, he's really good. I mean, in the August Underground films, I mean, the it's, you know, there wasn't, like, a ton of, like, uh, well, in the first one in particular, there wasn't a ton of, like, splatter, you know, mm-hmm. gore or anything like that, but the, the effects that they did use, I mean, just look really, really good, and they're really, really effective. Oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was some pretty nasty stuff, man. Sweet. So, uh. So yeah, that's the six questions with Fred Vogel. Um, again, thanks to him for doing it. We really, really appreciate oh, it. That's yeah. huge for us, you know, just starting out to even just have him, you know, write back and Oh yeah, and he's <laughs> you know, he's pretty quick writing back and uh, Yeah, it didn't take too long. Really appreciate that, uh Fred and uh yeah, if you're listening, uh keep listening if you <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Because I'm sure we'll come back to a few of your titles, maybe review them in the future, so Definitely, definitely. I mean yeah, we you know, like I told him, you know, we'd we'd love to uh, maybe get an interview with him sometime. Oh so, yeah. So stay tuned for that. That that's you know something that could happen maybe in the in the future. So um, that was our six questions with, and I guess yeah. that do you want to? I don't know. That'll kind of lead us right into our uh, movies to clear a room segment. I suppose. Oh yeah, no. In uh, in honor of um, Fred doing you know the six questions for us, uh, we wanted to kind of spotlight a couple of his movies for movies to clear a room, which. I know firsthand they can do that. Yeah. Um, you know, not in a, you know, when we say movies to clear a room, it's, we're saying it in like the best way possible, yeah. you know, cause we, you know, they're just extreme movies and, you know, not a lot of people, uh, you know, like to see that shit. And me personally, I've had people over at my house before <laughs> and I put on August underground and, you know, we got maybe 10 minutes into it and people were like, dude, can you shut this off? <laughs> <laughs> it was just too much for them. They just couldn't take it. Um, so that's what our, you know, that's our movies to clear a room segment. Um, it's stuff that we love, you know, so it's not, we're not saying that these are bad films by any means, just extreme films. Um, so yeah, for this one, I mean, we're going to, you know, uh, talk about the, uh, August underground series. Um, well, I mean, we're not going to get real in depth on them, but, uh, we just want to mention those, you know, to people, if you haven't seen them, go check them out. And uh, they definitely, I mean, they're fucking hardcore, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, will, uh, they will weed out the pussies in the room <laughs> uh, for sure, man. Yeah, sometime we should do a, uh, a movies to wipe your ass with, like movies that <laughs> Just really shitty suck. Movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should. That'd be great. But uh, there's plenty of them. You got any uh, special titles you want to throw out there for Movies to Clear Room? Uh, well, mainly, mainly the August Underground uh, yeah. series. Yeah. Um, you know, since, you know, Fred did the six questions, I wanted to definitely feature those, you know, and kind of in honor of that. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's that was mainly all I had for it was I just, okay. you know, wanted to mention those movies to people. If you haven't seen them, check them out. 
Uh, if you have seen him, fuck, watch him again. Um, and tell tell more people about him because uh, they're they're great and oh, yeah. very unique, you know, films and um, really worth checking out. So uh, so do that, motherfucker. Do it, <laughs> do it. <laughs> so yeah, that's the uh, that's about all I got for movies to clear a room. Did you have any you wanted to talk about or uh, just leave it with the? Let's, let's leave it with Fred for yeah, this week. And cool, then, uh, cool. We'll jump into another segment here, maybe wrap up the show, or uh, just bullshit for a while and wrap up the show. So uh, we'll be back. Stay tuned, motherfuckers. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome hey, back. welcome back. Uh, we're going to go ahead and close out the show, I think, with a few words on a Serbian film. Um, this movie, man, it's uh, <laughs> it's something else. I just I actually watched it for the third time last night with uh, a friend. And uh, it didn't really get any easier the third time around. <laughs> By the way, River hasn't seen this yet. So, yeah, uh, River well, hasn't. I was just going to kind of give you a few words on what yeah. you're about it. Um, mainly, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and really review the movie. Um, I just kind of wanted to talk about, you know, a little bit of the, kind of put the word out there about it, uh, and talk about some of the controversy surrounding it because it's just now starting to, uh, to get a release in the U S, um, a couple different ways that you can see it. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I had, uh, you know, given it to, to Riverman a couple times, you know, and. Uh, so he could check it out, but I think you're still kind of on the fence about it, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, some of the content I yeah. don't really agree with. I mean, eventually I'll watch it, but it's right now it's not my like, first priority. Sure, and that's fine. I mean, that's you know that's what I've been saying is it's it's not a movie that somebody should be forced into watching for sure. Um, just I mean, it's a pretty disgusting movie. I mean, yeah. the, the content is just so fucking repulsive that. It's it was the most extreme movie I've ever seen, and I know a lot of people, you know, say the same thing. Um, it's about the most extreme thing out there right now, and uh, it's not you know, splatter gory, you know, all that shit. I mean, there there are a couple gory scenes in the movie, but it's just some of the things that happen in it are f- fucked up. I mean, the movie the movie's fucked, um, but. I mean, with that being said, you know, I thought it's a, I think it's a good movie. I mean, it's well made. Um, everything about it, I mean, the music, I love the music in it um, through the whole thing. Uh, the acting is fucking phenomenal. Um, camera work was really well done. I mean, set design, I mean, it was really uh, actually, you know, some scenes were beautiful to look at and then. Other scenes are just, like, fucking shower-inducing, you know? It's so just grimy, you want to go take a fucking shower after you watch it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you know, what I was telling somebody just the other day about it is it's, like, it's not really a a film that's trying to ruffle feathers so much as it is trying to just obliterate what the feathers are attached to. <laughs> um, it's a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much what it is. And they definitely, you know, I, I've heard that the director said that the, the movie is kind of a, a metaphor for the state of, you know, Serbia, past and present, and, uh, 
you know, just the kind of desperate feeling that a lot of people have over there. And it's like, uh, he said, like, rape or be raped, pretty much. Um, it's, you know, uh, kind of a survival thing out there. And, you know, I mean, take that for what it's worth. I, I know a lot of people don't really buy that, you know, buy that explanation of it. And people just think that it was a, you know, a shock piece, which, you know, it it is. You know, it's a really shocking movie. And uh, they definitely succeeded in that aspect. If they, you know, were setting out to make a film that was going to shock people and horrify people, um, they did that. Because <laughs> uh, I've heard some people calling it the best horror movie of all time. Really? And I would kind of agree with that in the sense that it's like the most horrific thing I've ever seen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, some of the stuff that happens in it is just like the most horrible shit I could ever imagine, especially as a parent, you know? If you're a parent... I think this will bother you even more, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, like I said, just starting to get, uh, a U.S. release now in a couple different ways. Um, they are screening it in, uh, some theaters, uh, around the country right now. I don't have any of those on me right offhand, but, uh, I can, uh, I'll keep, you know, posted about that on the Facebook page or whatever. Um, but yeah, they're releasing it in theaters as a, an NC-17, um, version, which, you know, things are going to be cut out of it. And, uh, they're also doing something on uh, flicksfling.com where they're calling it uncut, but I heard that version is still cut yeah. too. Um, which is unfortunate. I mean, I think if, if people want to see the movie, I think they should be able to see a full uncut version of it. I mean, just as, as it is, and that's how you're supposed to see it. Um, because, I mean, a lot of people are going to see the full, you know, like I've seen the full uncut version. And I think it's just going to, I mean, as bad as it is, I mean, a cut version is just going to take away from the impact of it, I think. It's still going to be fucked up and people are still going to, you know, probably freak out over it. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, if, if it's something that you want to see, it should be the full uncut version. And maybe they should just throw a fucking disclaimer on there or something, just warning people, like, make sure that you know what you're getting into when you go to see this, you know? Because, um, like I said, it's not something that, that uh, somebody should be forced to watch, you know? It's it's that extreme. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not really looking forward to seeing it, but, uh, I mean, eventually I probably will. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. Don't force anybody to watch this, because, yeah. yeah. I mean, just from what I've hear, what I've heard about it, like it's nothing that I can support really, or nothing that I can back. But I mean, you know, for the director's sake, I'll still see it because I like you know movies that much. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see what happens. I'll I'll let you guys know if I end up seeing it any anytime soon or anything. But uh, yeah, from a you know from a filmmaking standpoint, you know, I have to respect i guess yeah respect those guys for just going right for the fucking throat man and making no apologies about it whatsoever they did not hold anything back um so in that aspect yeah i mean i i can appreciate the movie you know um as like i mean the first time i watched it i literally had like a sick feeling you know after it was over um not like sick like i wanted to throw up but just like ugh, like what did i just see you know like it was it was pretty rough and like i said it didn't it hasn't gotten much easier a couple viewings later either you know? shit i don't know you got through three viewings <laughs> i don't know I either even seen it, it i don't know either and i think you know I, the one thing that's that has gotten me through it three times is all the you know good things about it that i mentioned you know just the fact that it's so well done you know the music in it that i 
absolutely loved and um you know the acting and and i heard one person say that too is you know you get uh you know i think it was somebody that had reviewed the film maybe for i don't remember i don't think it was fangoria but some other some other thing and uh they said that you know there was a, a few times where they wanted to just shut the movie off but they were already so like emotionally invested in what was going to happen to sure. you know especially the lead character and and his family you know that they just had to stick with it yeah um so yeah i mean you'll you get sucked into it definitely and it's you know as much as you're repulsed by it you want to see it through you know so um yeah i mean if you uh, you know if it's something that you want to check out I mean, you can find it on flicksfling.com. Like I said, that's they're calling it an uncut version, but I think there are still part like, you know, little bits of it cut out. Um, but that'd probably be the way to see it, I guess. Still gets the message across. I'm De- sure, right? Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, and I mean, there this it's going to be a movie that people are going to talk about for a long time. Um, I think and if anybody ever tries to top that movie i don't think i want to see it yeah. um because that's about i mean that's about as as bad as it gets there so uh yeah if, if it's something that you're interested in you know seek it out and watch it and i mean you can't really have you know an opinion about it unless you see it you know yeah. and then you know say what you want about it after that but um but yeah definitely be warned you know it's it's fucking extreme the movie's no joke so just know that going into it and if you are going to watch it, you need to be able to definitely step back from it and, you know, realize that it, it is, I mean, uh, some of the things that happen in it do go on for real, you know, which is why it's so horrible. But uh, it's just a movie, you know, and you just got to kind of tell me it's only a movie. It's that's only right. a movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that's one. this one you definitely do have to tell yourself that, I think. You know, you just have to realize that it is just a movie and it's... That, that'll kind of help you get through it a little bit, but, um, but yeah, you don't, uh, you know, if you see it and you're pissed off because you're seeing it, you saw it and I recommended it and you're pissed at, don't be pissed at me cause I warned you. So, uh, so if you're feeling, I don't recommend it. Whoever man doesn't recommend it. <laughs> if you, uh, if you're feeling brave, check it out, seek it out. And it's, it's an experience to be had. That's for sure. <laughs> So with that, that I think, yeah, that concludes episode two. Yeah, um, what a what a great note to end on, huh? Exactly. We got <laughs> we got a, a lot of a lot of different things in the show for you, um, mostly about Ty West, and uh, had a great music segment with uh, the Red Rocket. Red Rocket, always rocking it. Appreciate that, and um, definitely. Hopefully, I'm trying to think. Well, we can't really give away our next show because we might have something in the works. Yeah, yeah, there there's something that that might be pretty special. I mean, even just for us on a personal level, you know, uh really really cool something that might uh might happen here on uh, on episode 3. So, stay tuned, we'll keep you posted. Yeah, and I think review-wise, I think we're going to dip into something a little more obscure. Um we went a little mainstream this week because uh we just wanted to talk about Ty West and um well his new movie was coming out too, so I figured might do that for him, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll come back with something more obscure. So yeah, we got we got a couple that we're thinking about mm-hmm. about uh, talking about. So it'll be it'll be something good. And you know, if you didn't like you know uh, House of the Devil or the Roost, you know maybe uh, maybe the next show will be something a little more your flavor. So. And you might have to pull out your uh, 
VHS player for the next show and Maybe, go to your yeah. local VHS store to try to find it. Maybe, yeah. Uh, we don't know yet, but yeah. uh, that could be a possibility. So uh, We'll see how it goes, and we'll definitely, uh, you know, we'll, we'll throw some updates at you here and there, you know. Um, but, yeah, we got, I think, uh, you know, if, if the the thing that we're, that we keep alluding to, you know, that we don't want to give away, um, if that comes through, um, it's going to be really a really, really cool third episode for mm-hmm. us. So For sure. Uh, so definitely stay tuned, and uh, we will, uh, like I said, we'll throw you some updates when when uh, when we know more. So thanks again for listening, yeah. everybody. We, we appreciate all the support again, you know, and... Uh, yeah, keep listening to us because we'll we'll keep putting these out as long as you guys keep listening. So, yeah, and this is uh, this is Riverman and the Lush, and you're listening to Behind the Mask. We'll see you later. Keep it sleazy.